0: You're listening to Media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of his Holy Spirit about his Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three-in-One, who comes in order to bring us a good news that makes us clear about who is saved. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in their landmark book uh, called American Grace, there's these two authors, uh, two sociologists named Robert Putnam and and David Campbell. And they have this this landmark book called American Grace where where they go through and they, they investigate a whole bunch of data about... Uh, about religious life in the United States and, and how it works out. And one of the things that they point out in that book is the, the, what they call the Aunt Susan principle. Uh, they, they say the Aunt Susan principle is this, that everybody has an Aunt Susan. And Aunt Susan in, in your life or in my life is somebody who uh, is the epitome of sainthood In whatever religion that you're from, except for the fact that they don't actually uh, participate in the religion that you are a part of and so uh, you know th- this could be that that you are a Lutheran and well Aunt Susan is uh, is a Jewish person or uh, you, you could could say that uh, you know that, that you are a Jewish person and aunt th- Susan is a Methodist and uh, and there there's something to the sense of, of Aunt Susan and the, that you go well you know I, I don't know like I it, it I aunt susan doesn't quite play by the rules of what i believe but yet i i can't sort of imagine that somehow that aunt susan is sort of outside of the kingdom of god because aunt susan is aunt susan you know, aunt susan is, is so nice she she baked me chocolate chip cookies the the other week it was great and, and all of us have this sort of Aunt Susan figure in our life. Maybe, you know, may, maybe it's the kind atheist friend that we know, or, or the, the person who believes something that's radically different than what you believe, but you, know, you still get along with them. And that, that's a good thing. You know, they're, they're a human being, and you are maybe even praying for them. But uh, it, it is kind of confusing to have Aunt Susan and uh, and that's what the Aunt Susan principle is all about, that uh, when the Aunt Susans of our world come into what we believe, they really challenge it is what we believe. Because if we believe certain things about, well, how you get to be in the kingdom of God and other people are nice, but, well, they're not in that kingdom of God, then Well, then you have a problem, and and that causes some dissonance, and you you have to kind of figure out, okay, how do I understand Aunt Susan? Well, what we're talking about today in the gospel text especially is sort of that Aunt Susan principle, except it, it doesn't seem to appear really quickly for us just sort of on the outset. Because on the outside we kind of jump back into something that Jesus was saying. Uh, So if you remember uh, where we're at in the book of Mark right here, what what I was talking about last week, because we're just continuing that on, uh, what has just happened is that Jesus has talked to somebody who has a lot of possessions uh, called the rich young ruler. This guy comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, what must I do in order to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, we'll do the command. The the guy says, check. Uh, Jesus says, right. And then after that, he says, well, here's the next step, buddy. You have to give away everything and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler, it says, goes away disheartened because he had many possessions. And, And so right after that, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's sort of debriefing the disciples after that little experience. And he says to them, how difficult is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And, you know, there's something about that that, well, we kind of like. There's something about that that we kind of like because generally speaking, as Americans, uh, we see wealth in in this frame that is its own frame. We do not see wealth necessarily as a good moral contributing factor. In fact, if anything, we are amazed when we meet a rich person who also seems to have some degree of moral fortitude. We we sort of revel in the notion that there might actually be somebody out there who is rich and good And so we kind of go, oh, wow, that's so awesome that that person has money and they're also a good person. Because in our frame, most likely because of our cultural heritage in the West and because of Christianity, we have this sense because of readings like this that, well, rich people, ah, they're maybe not so trustworthy. And if they overcome their richness... Well, well, then good for them. Because they have done this amazing thing, which is to go through the eye of a needle as their camel'y selves. But what we kind of misunderstand about the reading is uh, sort of the assumption that goes along culturally with where the disciples are at. And, and so where the disciples are at is that the disciples are coming from a place culturally where they believe that people who are rich, well, that's just God's way of saying, that's one of mine. That that's God's way of saying, attaboy. That uh, that's God's way of of saying, this person is somebody that you should emulate because uh, they did things so well that I blessed them and I blessed them richly. And so, this person is rich because they have done great things and it makes sense then if you think back to the earlier story the rich young ruler the rich young ruler says I've done all of this stuff I've been keeping my nose clean which is a really strange idiom it means uh, doing good stuff I've been keeping my nose clean and I've been doing all sorts of good stuff and, and I've been taking care of my neighbor and everything's been good and because of that I have these riches. And and so we we have to sort of shift our cultural frame and go, okay, well, what Jesus is talking about here is somebody that everybody thinks is just sort of in because of who they are. It's Aunt Susan. It's somebody who in our context most likely is not somebody who is rich, but rather somebody who is nice. Because in our cultural context, nice people are the ones who go to heaven, right? Mr. Rogers, (laughs) shoo-in! Not just because he was a Presbyterian minister, but because he was so stinking nice, right? That's kind of what we believe. We believe deep down inside that, you know, Aunt Susan and Mr. Rogers and all sorts of other people that are really nice, well, they're going to heaven because they're nice. And so here it's as if Jesus is saying to his disciples, how hard is it for the nice to enter the kingdom of heaven. How hard is it for nice people, for perhaps even relatively innocent people? How nice is it for people like that to enter the kingdom of heaven, to which we respond then like the disciples. We respond you know, if, if somebody questioned to us if Mr. Rogers was going to heaven, then all of a sudden then we would respond in the same way that the disciples respond. We would say, well, then who can be saved? I mean, if Mr. Rogers isn't in and he's nice, then I'm definitely not in because I'm not nice. I know that about myself. I know how terrible I can be and I know that I am so much worse off. That is the reality of this reading, that whatever it is that you think gets you in without Jesus, well, that's A, just foolhardy thinking. But it's also, B, very dangerous thinking. It's idolatry. That it's something that is not actually going to help you as you seek after righteousness. Because you're going to say, okay, I'm being pretty nice. I don't have to be righteous in any other way. I'm being pretty innocent. I don't have to be nice in any other way. I'm being whatever it is that you feel automatically gets you into the kingdom of heaven. And to that, Jesus has two things to say. He has one thing that's very frightening. The first thing that he has to say that is very frightening is he says to his disciples, with man, this is impossible. I mean, if we just leave it there, you're done. (laughs) If we just leave it there, you can be super nice, you can be super rich, you can be super whatever. But it's impossible. It's impossible for you to work your way into this somehow. But then he offers us good news. He offers us the second line that is such good news. But with God, nothing is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. With God... You are in. Not because of what you've done, not because of who you are, not because of how much I like your face, not because of any of that stuff, but because of God. Because God in his grace has said, I am going to give you my son. I am going to give you the only perfectly nice person. The only Perfectly innocent person. I am going to give you the only one who is ever going to be able to stand up to the law and say, I have done that completely. God says, I am going to take that son and I'm going to have him die on a cross for you. So that his niceness is exchanged for yours. So that his innocence is exchanged for yours. So that his righteousness is exchanged for yours. So that he gets the nasty stuff. The times that you are not nice. The times that you are not innocent. The times that you are not righteous. And what you get is him. The only one Whoever in human history had the right to say, I'm in for sure. Uh, I happen to be the second person of the Holy Trinity. I think I'm in. And yet, he did not hold on to that for himself, but he released it on the cross to give it to all of us so that we may know for sure that we are in. That when we see his cross, we know that we're in. We know that we're a part of the kingdom. And being a part of the kingdom means that we will have toil and that we will have to accept our lots as the preacher in Ecclesiastes says but also as the Hebrews reading says we know that we can enter God's rest that rest that knows that God has given his son so that we might know that we are in His kingdom. So may you this week go out into this world knowing that you do have things to do. You do have toil to rejoice in. But that you also have a rest given to you by no other than the only person who is ever truly in with God in terms of his own works. And he gave that as to you as a gift. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.